1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. This is the final cast segment with your hosts, Brad Hicks and Josh Eldridge, where we cast our final opinions on all products, good and bad. Welcome to the final cast. Welcome back to the final cast on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. I'm Brad. And I'm Josh. Tonight, we're going to talk about Josh's awesome uh, tournament uh, recap that he had up at Lake, Lake St. Clair for the Michigan-Ohio Kayak Anglers Club. So, yeah, dude, I'm excited to hear all about this trip, man. Heck yeah, dude. It was a blast, man. Um, definitely the funnest tournament I've had to date so far. Um, it looks fun, man. I was, was watching the leaderboard. Yeah, I was I was watching the leaderboard all day. I'm like, oh, dude, he's in eighth. No, he's in sixth. And then it starts you, dropping back down. You, like, you missed it. At one point, Mike was one and I was two. Oh, yeah. I saw that, too. That was like right right at 9, 9 p.m. or something. Something or like n- that. 9 a.m. Yeah, like it was it was early. Um, but That's what it So... Last week, um, Mike was like, hey, dude, you want to go to Lake St. Clair? And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, for a tournament. I'm like, a tournament? I was like, what tournament? I thought the KBF one got canceled because that was the only one I could think of in my head, like off the top. And uh, he was like, no, dude, Mayo's having theirs up there. And uh, there won't be like a captain's meeting. Everything's going to be virtual still. So yeah, I was like... Uh, let me ask the wife and she said yeah uh, so um, I wasn't sure what the plan was because you know I started a new job this summer <clears throat> so I wasn't sure that I could get off of work so I threw it by the boss and he was like yeah dude for sure go for it and he was like yeah I'm taking the Friday off also so enjoy 
That's awesome. Cool. So um, <clears throat> we decided to leave Thursday night so we could get a full day in of pre-fishing. And we got a little bit of intel on an area that's not as pressured. Um, so that's where we headed. It was kind of a funny situation. All this was really last minute, like, you know, like last, last minute. Yeah. So I, we, I remember you said something about it and I was like, dang, I want to go. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's too, too soon. But anyway, but so we ended up, um, get, we like at first we can, you know, there's no campgrounds really around there. And then like, Mike was like looking up like houses and those were kind of hard to find a little bit. And then, or, or they were like too expensive, you know, uh, for just like three people. Cause it ended up being me, Mike and Brandon. And, um, so we found a boat, like a cabin cruiser that was docked <laughs> and it had three beds. So we were going to stay in there, but Mike, Mike booked it literally like on Wednesday or something like that. And we were supposed to leave the next day. So when Thursday morning rolls around and I haven't heard anything from him. And then he talks to uh, somebody who'd been up there recently who helped us out and gave us some intel. He was like, yeah, stay in this hotel. I'm getting ready to check out. And that means there'll be an open room. There you go. It never would have been an open room regardless. No. Yeah. Um, but so we ended up getting a hotel that was literally like three to five minute drive from the, the dock, you know, that we were going to use the boat, uh, boat ramp. So we got down there, dude, and, uh, we, uh, rigged up and stayed up entirely too late. I think it was like almost one o'clock in the morning cause we didn't get there till 1130. Mm-hmm. And so I only took four rods with me, um, I kind of narrowed it down before getting there just because I was like, all right, it's a small mouth bite. Um, from what I heard, there's not like a lot of structure wise. This lake isn't deep, you know, like overall, like it's average depth is pretty, like pretty shallow, like for a lake of its size. What's the deepest spot? <sighs> Maybe 20 feet. Like, that's my, dude, that's my kind of lake. I like that. But there, it doesn't have like bank lines that you're used to. I mean, there's like a lot of houses on the one mm-hmm. side. And then on the other side, it looks like a lot of wetlands from the river, you know, from where yeah. St. Clair River comes in. But, um, and there's not a ton of vegetation yet. Um, you know, I, I just attribute that to the time of year. I mean, the mm-hmm. water temperature there was like... We saw it around like I was, I think the highest I read it was like 68 to 70 range. Maybe Mike Hmm. said something like he hit 72 in some places, but the water was ultra clear, like pretty clear. Like it was nice. Like those fish were spawned out then already, right? uh, Females at least. Yeah. So if we would have been there the weekend before we would have caught the females all, all over the beds. Yeah. When we got there, there were still some. Um, there wasn't a lot, but I think they were on their way out. Um, there were some areas that we didn't hit that I wish we would have hit first and then worked our way in and caught caught up with some of the stragglers that were still hanging around. Because I caught three or two 19 and a half and a 19 and three quarter. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the, one of the 19 and a half was during a pre-fishing practice, but they were, they weren't, they weren't spawning like they were spawning basically next to like little weed lines, and these weed lines weren't thick. It was real sparse. Hmm. But like every bed was like literally like the sweet spot was like next to a piece of vegetation. So Mike threw a Ned and a spy bait mainly. I threw the underspin literally the entire time. I picked up the <laughs> spy bait a little bit, but I'm not familiar with it. And I didn't do any research prior to it. Mike bought like five of them and gave it, uh, me and Brandon one to try out. Man, see, I, I've been hearing about that. Uh, I heard Sean Boggs on uh, Yak Legion. And he was talking about the spy bait up there at uh, uh, Lake St. Clair. <laughs> and ever since he said that, I'm like, man, that sounds perfect. Like, e- even going down to Dale Hollow and using that, that would be an awesome bait, I think. But well, the bait is prime. It's just, it's like, looks like a jerk bait, but it's got yeah. a, prep, a propeller on the front and rear of it. But, um, it's not something that you normally, from what I understand, m- mainly people use it on pressured clear water. Oh. So, I mean, and that plays perfect into St. Clair because St. Clair's constantly got fishermen all over it. You know, I mean, it's, a, a, it's like one of the top smallmouth lakes in the world from what i understand like overall yeah for like the quantity and the size of them overall but yeah that's that's interesting i didn't know that about the spy bait i i I mean i I knew it was better (laughs) for clear water i didn't know it was better for pressured water yeah it's um from what i understand it causes a lot of displacement and you, you don't really feel it but I guess those propeller blades kind of whine at a kind of a high pitch underwater. So it, it brings fish in, um, from some of the videos that we watched, I think we watched them Friday night. Um, it doesn't bring fish in from real far away, but they said about Hmm. 10 to feet, 10 to 15 feet away. Hmm. They'll, they'll sense it and they'll, you know, come check it out or whatever. But dude, it's super simple to throw. It's like the whopper plopper of, like you know subsurface fishing basically dude it's yeah. literally throw it out let it sink some and reel in dude that's it that's like um yeah it, it gets to like a certain depth and then stops doesn't it um you could get different versions of it like you can i think um yeah of sort of like a uh a jerk bait i i don't know i didn't look i didn't buy them so but i mean it said slow sinking on the ones that we had so I don't know if there's suspending versions. Dude. I don't know if there's like a slow rising one or what. I, I, I would think you wouldn't want a slow rising one because you're yeah. already re- just reeling in. I don't know that you'd want it to come to the top. So need to try one of those at Eastwood, man. Yeah, dude, definitely, man. It's uh, it's I think That'd we got be... the S- Storm Arachi ones or whatever. Like that'd be a fair... good spot to try it. They're not super expensive. And, um, you know, that'd be a good one. Cause I think like I got, we threw them in perch cause there's a lot of perch, you know, in St. Clair and, and I think there's perch in Eastwood, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. I've seen them. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I've always wondered is... if Eastwood happens to have smallmouth in it because of it being kind of fed by the rivers and stuff a little bit. They do. I I've seen, I've seen videos of guys taking them from the river and putting them in the lake. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But man, this is like 
shaping out to be like a bass fishing for noobs segment, man. I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, that's kind of. So I ended up throwing like I got. We fished these areas. We figured it out. Um, it wasn't hard. Like there was, you know, there was big males on the bed still. The day of pre-fishing, I don't think I caught a smallmouth under 16. Um, not, I, I may have caught a, a 14 or a 15, but they were big still. Like the males were pretty chunky. And uh, even the, like, even the females, like even the, like we were think you know, thinking they were spawned out, but they were still big, like football big, like yeah. big wide, big wide bodies, big shoulders. I, love I mean, that. it was hilarious because the fish, like proportionally compared to what we see in Ohio, you know, we'll catch smallmouth and they'll be long, but sort of on the slender side. These things were just chunk, dude, like just huge shoulders that made their faces look weird, like their mouse. Like you almost look like you caught like a like a, a drum or something like that. Like it's yeah, got like a real small mouth. Yeah. But yeah. like a huge head. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed that from pictures I see people post all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Same with New York. Yeah. I see those big smallmouth that look like that too. But uh, I threw the underspin religiously. Um, it was, we fished a depth of four to five feet. Um, and basically, if you found like weeds, uh, you fished it. Mike, Mike bed fished a lot, he um, sight fished. Uh, I wasn't able to do that though because I took the big rig. Uh, FD and I wasn't I didn't have an anchor with me so I ended up leaving my anchor wizard here and so Mike would be able to post up next to the beds and sight fish and he was getting a lot of good hits off of Ned rigs but then he was also getting like a lot of males that were just picking up the Ned rig and you know moving it so they'd only have the tail they wouldn't have the hook so I kind of we nicknamed the underspin the bed wrecker <laughs> because I would shout literally, out the same. Yeah, I I literally I didn't do like what Sam was talking about though. He was yeah. What he referred to was would be sight fishing in a sense, and I wasn't able to stand and do that. I was able to stand, but I still couldn't stay still. You know, like. Mm-hmm. We would start out in the morning a lot of times, and the the lake would be fairly calm, and then the wind would pick up a little bit, and then the boat traffic draft uh, traffic would, and then it would get real choppy, and it's just sitting there like boom all over Dude, the place. I, I was curious how you were going to do that in the Kilroy, and then I saw you post that you borrowed the big rig FD. Yeah. My God, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> I, uh, to be honest with you, the Kilroy would have handled it. It would have just been, it would have been just tough to get around. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's what would have been hardest, but to be honest with you, we didn't fish far from our ramp by any means. So, but, uh, we ended up, I, we ended up finding good fish. So we kind of laid off of it and we didn't, we fished a full day, but we kind of moved up and down, uh, up and down the banks, you know, not really bank fishing. We were, we were a little bit off, like. I think the weed line that we were fishing was about 20, 25 yards from the bank. So, mm-hmm. but like I said, it's still sh- somewhat shallow, you know. Yeah. And it would stay like four feet up until you'd get to the bank. Like, you know what I mean? Like, until you were like right on top of it. 
And the, when it started to dive off, was it just like a steep drop off? To no, like super spot? gradual, dude. Like oh. you would sit there and be paddling. It's five feet forever and then six feet. And then you're <laughs> like, just like a quarter mile off of the bank and you're at seven feet, dude. Like At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Now, there, Dude, might be, I... there might be other areas, but it's mainly sand. Like, you know what I mean? Oh. There's nothing like... There's rock piles in St. Clair, but they're real random. And we didn't have like hardly any that we found, but we didn't venture very far. You would see like a basketball size, like boulder or rock, you know what I mean? Like randomly, but like the fish were all relating to that vegetation. So what I would do is I would throw my bait like either like right next to the beds or through them. Like I would try to get into the vegetation and I wasn't, I would burn it and stop occasionally and I would get some hits here and there. But the main thing that worked the best was to kind of slow roll it mm-hmm. and hook into the vegetation. But like a lot of times you look for like a reaction bite and I wasn't doing that. I was like pulling it off, but letting it drop at that point. Cause yeah. I think a lot of the sweet spots of the, the beds were right next to the stalks of the vegetation. A lot of times it's so kind of like as, using like a lipless crankbait. No, a lipless crank, a lipless crankbait. A lot of times you'll throw it and you'll rip it through the grass and get yeah. a reaction. Oh, strike. I thought that's what you were doing. No, I would like okay. hook into the vegetation and pop it out like a little bit, like just I gotcha. and let it fall immediately, and that's it would a, get nailed at that time. That yeah, that's exactly how I fish my Texas rig worms. Yeah, <laughs> so it worked real well. Um, but uh, so, yeah, like I caught a 19 and a half during practice and some 17s and maybe an 18. And we were like, all right, all right, all right. We've had our, you know, we got to lay off. We don't want to ruin the spot. Yeah. So Mike found we found several spots that, you know, produce good quality fish. And so on tournament day, we were out there set, ready to go. Um. And it started out a little slow, uh, but it did on practice day. It took like a little bit of time. I, I think, uh, I don't know if it was just the sunlight triggered it or what, but it didn't matter. Also, I threw it on a, a Kitek as usual. You know, everybody knows me. I It didn't matter what color Kitek I threw. Like every color got bit. So, yeah. I mean, I caught a 19 and a half on a white. I caught a, a 19 and three quarters on Smallmouth magic. I caught another 19 on the bluegill flash. So I don't think like it mattered color wise. I think it was that underspin. Yeah. The fact that my bait was pissing them off basically. So, but, uh, those smallmouth you hooked into were freaking huge. Yeah, dude, they were fun to catch, man. And dude, I, all right. So we always talk about how river smallies fight, right? Yeah. The fight in uh, St. Clair bass is actually harder. I think what is different is you fight the current with our with a river fish, right? 
Yeah. And by the time you get to them, a lot of times they're kind of wore out a little bit. Like when you catch them in a lake like that and they're big, dude, you get them up to the boat and they're still going crazy. Like, I mean, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, just dig, dig, dig down, trying to get like down, dude. Like, I, there was a point it took me like 35 seconds to net this fish because I didn't reel up enough line and I was yeah. afraid to like, like you know let slack go and mike's cracking up because i got my little short handle trout net like trying to dip it water and this thing's just with you know just outside of reach and i'm like finally get it he's cracking up like and i lost several fish like and he watched watched like four or five of them and every time what it was was i i'd really you know i'd have the fish in a good range and then i would go to reach for my net and i would drop that rod just yeah. like a split second, man, it would give them enough to pop loose. Yeah, that would suck. So I learned that Josh needs to get a long-handled net. Or, yeah, and that trout net just got to go. You going to look at that yak gadget net? Or not yak gadget, yak attack? I don't know, man. Uh, Brandon had one, and I'm not sure that I like it. Yeah. It feels good, but I don't know. I might, you know, I have no idea, but we'll see. I might try I, a couple out. I went with the net that Greg Blanchard uses. It's called uh, Forever Last G2. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm actually going to do the mod that he did, but with a little shorter handle. I think he put like 30, so 30 inches on his of a PVC pipe and then wrapped it with some grip. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put maybe like 18 inch handle. Yeah, I think that's all you need, really. It's a personal preference, really. It's all about how close you want to reel that fish into the boat. So, yeah, I, I've snapped uh, rod tips from trying to like net them close to the boat. You Dude, know? I would have them like co- go under the boat, and I I could see the fish on the other side of the boat, and my rod is just bent around the side of the boat. Like, <laughs> It was yeah. crazy, dude. Like how hard they fight, man. They just bulldog you, man. Just trying to get away. That's where we need to go for our group this year, man. It's definitely uh it's everybody just meet up there. I wanna it was it was awesome. Completely awesome. Like I had a blast. So but um tournament day comes and it starts out a little slow and I think I didn't catch my first fish until like uh, it was almost an hour in. And uh, I wasn't getting bit. I started getting mad, and I knew where some largemouth were. Uh, the largemouth were acting like smallmouth in a way. They were relating to the rocks on the bank. You know, we yeah. were next to, like, there's, like, you know, lake houses all up and down. You know how lake houses will put, like, riprap on, mm-hmm. on their bank line. And so largemouth and rock bass were relating to that. And then the largemouth were also relating to like the posts that were sticking up like you know here and there the big wooden post uh had you know nothing on them but they were i caught a, like a 13 and a half inch largemouth and so i broke the ice there sometimes that's what you got to do first and then start all catching help hell broke loose basically after that <laughs> i cast like two or three times and i hooked into a 19 and a half and i got that thing in the boat and i was just like like i was like um, my adrenaline was spiked so much that i i had lost a fish during practice and it was a really big fish 
big small mouth. I've got it hooked. I can see it. I bring it in. It comes up, and then it it tries to dig down and go, you know, deep again a little bit. As I mean, it's not going deep because it was only like five feet deep there, but it, I could see it turn and try to head back down. And out of nowhere, here comes a second huge, just as big small mouth headbutts the other one, basically trying to get that bait and snaps snaps the line. Are you serious? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm, re- I'm retying after every fish. So I, um, after I caught that big small mouth on tournament day, I caught the little large mouth. I caught the 19 and a half. I'm trying to tie a knot and my hands were shaking so bad. I, it took me like 10 attempts to thread it through the eye. That's oh, awesome, dude. Nice, dude. I love that though. That That's one of the coolest feelings. I mean, I was like, like. I was just, I was a nervous wreck and we were all separated. We didn't, we kind of fished together, like, you know, like pre-fishing, but we kind of went like, we claimed dibs on areas that we found, like, you know, like Mike found this one area and then I found it. I probably found the the best spot out of everybody. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I fished that thing pretty hard and I caught, uh, the 19 and three quarters and 18 and a half and 18 I had the 13 and a, like a 15, maybe a 16 inch smallmouth that both got called. Um, I ended up catching some more 17s, but my at by the time that kind of happened, my smallest fish was 17 and a half. So it was starting to get a little difficult. And then we kind of figured that the females had kind of started to make their way out. It was like it was a full moon weekend the whole time. Uh, we were there basically, you know, we saw a good full moon basically. And then it tailed out a little bit at the end. And, but, uh, we went back the next day for the paddle and fin tournament, dude. And it was a completely different bite. It was so much harder. Like, um, there was a lot of largemouth in those areas now, like Mm -hmm. little ones. And I could see them like, as I would be pulling my bait up and they weren't, they weren't like that the day before. Yeah, uh, they were sticking to the bank. So what I was thinking is that the smaller males were around. Like we were seeing abandoned uh, uh, beds at that point. Like, and it wasn't like that before. You would see the beds, and you'd see a male. You know, not every bed had a you know fish on it, but for the most part, most of them did. Hmm. And uh, we would see like females in the area, but they were like, like there was a one bed that I found between two docks, and it was huge. Like. 10 feet in diameter and i hadn't even noticed it really i noticed it was so big it was hard to see it uh, like no really it didn't stick out and i saw this other one next to it I'm like oh there's a small mouth there and then i look over and it's like that one's a pretty good size too and all of a sudden i see this flash between the two beds and it's this huge female and i mean she's booking like like just i would see her just for like a flash and um so I think they were, in a sense, all riled up, probably because they could see us, you know, in the area. Yeah. But um, <laughs> they ended up, I think, kind of moving out. And then I think uh, some of the males started to move out, too, because there was a lot of, like, juvenile largemouth in the bedding areas at that point. So Yeah. That's, that's I did crazy. Not, I didn't do very good at all at that. It was kind of disappointing, but. Yeah. You, you you caught the good ones when it mattered though. Yeah. It, you, you uh ninety three inches. 
Yeah, I finished right. my 93. It was funny because we only had like, we had an hour left maybe. And Mike says, all right, you know, he came up to me. We were fishing this one area and he's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, let's go. I'll go back to where, let's try to call these fish. Let's go back where, you know, we've been catching them. And we go down and he throws for a little bit and he doesn't get bit. So he starts to move back down to his spot again. And like five minutes after he left, this bass boat rolls up, dude. Or no, he, he was actually fishing and the bass boat comes up and it as we're paddling up to my spot, he, this bass boat is in the middle of the whole area that we've been fishing in. And they're just casting, and I'm like dumbfounded because I'm like, those guys are sitting on top. Their boat is on top of where those fish are. Yeah. One of them's fishing directly at the bank, which didn't have any smallmouth on it. It had largemouth and rock rock bass. And then the other guy was thrown off the front towards like the boat lane, and the fish weren't really sitting in there. And so they move on down. Mike and I were, we were. You know, even though we've been fishing it all day, we were off the, you know, we were away from it. So they had every right to go in there. So as they left, we rolled in behind them. They ended up doing, going down and coming back behind us. And then Mike's fishing, like there was vegetation along the boat, like the boat lane from like the channel. This guy comes right between me and Mike. He they're fishing fairly close to Mike. They circle around behind me and then Mike comes over and starts fishing and they park, but like right back in that spot, right within like 10 yards of me and start fishing again. <laughs> Did they say anything to you? No. And he keeps looking at me like he knows that he's being an asshole. Yeah. And I'm looking at him like, yeah, you are. And, but no <laughs> words were said. So they're fishing and they're not, really catching anything dude and i keep throwing in this area that i know was holding you know some of the bigger fish and i hook up with that 19 and three quarters there's only like a half an hour left maybe and i ended up calling the 16 that i had uh it might have been 16 and a half so yeah because it gave me a a three inch increase because i was sitting at 90 at the time (laughs) so that fish that fish raised me up quite a few spots, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how many? There was like 23 guys that had at least 90 inches. <laughs> yeah, like something. 23 or 24 out of 56. Man. And then there was like six or seven that had 88s and 89s. That's crazy, man. Yeah, you guys definitely hit it the right time. Yeah. So that at 16 out of 53, that's that's pretty good, dude. I'd be happy with that. And uh, yeah, well, we were in kind of a lesser known area too. So yeah. it was a good time. It was definitely a lot of fun. We had a good time. Uh, we, you know, it, it was an experience for sure. You know, I've always heard the stories of St. Clair and, you know, like how great it is. And like for me being somewhat of an, you know, amateur, not, I don't really consider myself some great, like well rounded angler. <clears throat> you know, I fish rivers mainly and, a few lakes here and there and most of them tend to be around here so it's like yeah it just goes to show you how good st Clair really is that i could go in there and drop a 93 like i knew what i was doing <laughs> hey you, well you do know how small mouth you know their behavior and stuff <laughs> yeah 
And, I mean, but it's all about like this podcast teaches me a lot of stuff too. Like yeah. the things I like what, that whole conversation about the wicked willow with Sam. You know, I fished it a little bit different, but all in all, you really kind of think about it, it was the same thing. I just mm-hmm. wasn't sight fishing for him, but I figured out that they did not like it when I would touch the vegetation and then pull it off and let it drop. You know, yeah, like they, yeah, there's that's so I what think I like I was, about the podcast too is like what you said. Yeah. I, I learned stuff even from Ryan and Sean asking questions, you know, yeah. They asked, like, there was an interview they did a few weeks ago. I was like, that was probably their best one. That was, they asked. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. All the questions that I've always was curious about, I forget what episode it was, but man, it was a good one. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, and Mike caught some good ones on spy baits. He caught some good ones on the Ned Brig. Um, but you had to be quick because uh, there was times where I would, like on on Sunday during the bracket tournament, I still think there was a good, a fair amount of males, but I think they were more guarding and not really trying to eat baits. Cause I think at that point I would get hit a lot and it was either the juvenile large mouth that were nipping at it, or it was the male small mouths that were picking it up and just moving it. They weren't really trying to kill, kill the bait, you know? Yeah. But uh, I do know though when I was catching those females, they were they were committed to it. Uh, I would get hit hard by them. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to go up there now. So my 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 uh, review of St. Clair smallmouth fishing is two thumbs up, to say the <laughs> least. To say the least. He's like, I'm going back there every weekend. I should have been like, um, you guys don't want to go waste your time there. Nobody should go to St. Clair. But everybody knows how good it is. So, yeah, hey, I was looking at the leaderboard. Uh, Eric Siddiqui finished eighth place with 97 inches. Yeah, that's 90... ridiculous, man. Yeah, who who won? By the way, oh gosh, you asked me too quick. I can't remember his name. Oh, Chris Cantwell. Chris Cantwell is that his name? I've, I think. I've heard the name before. And yeah, he, he had, had a, like a hundred and a half or something. Something crazy. Yeah, or a hundred and three. Man. Oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine having a day like that. That's that's crazy. It was wild, man. Like, uh, I mean, we got done. I was just smiling from ear to ear, like when that thing finished. I I knew that I didn't finish high because I did see, you know, up until like Mike and I hung around in the top ten for a while, and yeah. um, but right before they shut the leaderboard down which was about an hour, an hour and a half, I think, before the, I think an hour and a half before the tournament um, ended. You know, we had dropped down I th- out of the top 10. So, but it was good, man. It's good time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool seeing you, you and him both at the top for a while. It's like, man, I hope that holds on. That's cool. 
yeah it was uh it was a wild a wild ride for sure so we'll have to all go up there and meet up there i think it'd be a lot of fun so yeah i know know, uh, probably the illinois guys and me and you and Susie and dustin probably wouldn't be able to make it ryan probably wouldn't be able to make it but it'd still be fun yeah yeah it uh like I'll definitely be headed back there in the springtime to do that again. <laughs> was, well, I wonder what it'd be like in the summertime. Well, the, from what I understand, the way those fish travel is they're like constantly, almost like on the move. Like they kind of behave like hybrids do. They're like I was constantly. About to say that. They don't maybe travel as in a big of a school as hybrids can, like, you know, like in Ohio River and stuff. Like, you know how Rob will get into like a big school of them or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they call them wolf packs. So they're like, I, I don't know the definition of like how many that is, but they'll travel in these smaller groups and they move a lot. So, but there's such a good population that they just kind of keep coming. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that probably would make it a little tough. I know I've tried uh, targeting hybrids before at like Kaiser Lake and stuff. It's not easy. No, there it's it's uh it takes a lot of research and a lot of time on the water and the know how of the behavior of the fish going like you know with hybrid fishing like you know we went to rob some i went to rob seminar i don't know if you've been to it and he talks about like how the the rising river levels and dropping of them especially after the big big rains they'll move up but then back out when the water starts you know they'll move up into tributaries they won't move up super super far i don't think but they'll move in so, yeah. but they're still constantly just move, move, move. And that's how I learned that how crazy it is that they move at Cherokee when my wife and I went, cause they would be there and you would see them and you'd start putting baits down and then they're just gone. Like, <laughs> yeah, they just take off and <laughs> nowhere to be found. Yeah. I, I went to a, a seminar at Strictly Sale this past winter. Uh, Kurt did. And he was talking about uh, hybrids on the Ohio river, how they would, like the flooded Ohio river uh, current pushing up against like a, a point from a tributary. He said, they'll be stacked right up against that point right there. Just waiting on food to yeah. you know, hit that point And I don't know, disperse, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a blast. It was nice having the pedal drive. I got to cover more, you know, water, even though I didn't really venture far, but the stability of it helped a lot. And, you know, I'd stand when I could, but I, I spent a lot of time seated um, just because I'm not 100% used to having chop like that. So, oh, yeah. Um, How bad was that? It wasn't awful. The first, the first day actually was pretty good. The second day, uh, actually tournament day, it was like glass when we were out there. I took those pick those sunset or sunrise pictures mm-hmm. that I posted, and it was really calm. It was real nice, and the wind picked up a little bit throughout the day each time each day. Um, it was probably at its worst. Hmm. I'm trying to remember what day it was. It was at its worst. I don't really remember, but uh, on. On Saturday tournament day, by the end of the tournament, the chop had gotten 
fairly decent just from the boat traffic you know like just tons tons of big boats out there people tubing jet skis and oh yeah the water the water clarity would start out and you could see the bottom like so easy and um even like when you're out like seven eight feet you could see the bottom it was just hard to know that you were seeing the bottom because it's so sandy yeah that you're not really in this the vegetation was still so sparse that it was just like you know like real hard to kind of tell anything and then you would see a random boulder but it was kind of funny i got out a little deeper and marked a uh can or a kayak it looked like a sitting kayak that had uh sunk huh. so that was pretty funny i could see like you know like where the skirt would be attached to or something like oh interesting hope the person's all right <laughs> yeah kidding <laughs> body still in it or something <laughs> but uh yeah it was a good time and you know, uh, big shout out to Mike and Brandon for, you know, wanting to go up there and inviting me. So, yeah, I can't wait to go back. How did Brandon do? Brandon didn't do so good. No, I, I, I didn't know he was with you guys. I thought it was just you. Yeah, and he, he hooked into a lot of fish, but lost a lot of fish. And he was fishing like uh, a lot of weedless setups and you really kind of didn't have to do that because the weeds weren't that thick so he thinks he lost a lot of fish that way yeah uh, but uh but i mean i fished a weedless setup also but i'm pretty comfortable throwing kytex like that for quite some time on river smallmouth so mm-hmm. you know and you know me i, I hook set pretty hard so you know, I think that's one reason because you had to be quick with those fish too, man. Because yeah, you know, I, I mean, like the females would definitely seem like they were biting it to eat it or kill it, you know. But the males, like you, you'd have to try to, you know, hit them. I didn't foul hook any fish, but you know, there was definitely a lot of strikes that I had that in fish that I lost that I might have just barely caught caught them, you know. Or, you know, they just picked up the tail of the swim bait to try to move it off the, the bed. Yeah. Yeah, my dude, I love, I'm glad I started using Kytex again. After <laughs> fishing fishing with you last year, you, you wore them out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm getting getting those back. And then I <laughs> then I find the uh, Wicked Willow, and it's just been like an addiction ever since. Yes, yes. I haven't, dude, I can't tell you. It's been been a, a good solid month and a half that i've thrown a kytec on a uh a swim bait hook without <laughs> some I sort know. of underspin on it yeah i don't think i'll ever do it again it's it's awesome everybody in the podcast group is loving them too yeah yeah everybody <laughs> said we sold them all on it so that's awesome. but yeah man like um definitely if you guys have a chance to go fish st Clair, definitely do it it's uh it's worth it, you know, um, just, uh, you know, obviously probably spring and fall are going to bring them in closer to the banks when the water cools down. Um, you know, I, if it, if it gets warm, you know, when it gets warm up there, that water temperature is going to get warm fairly quickly cause it's not, it's not deep. So, mm-hmm. and with it being, I, I don't know, I'd like to go back up there in the summer just to see what it's how what the vegetation situation is there but i mean you know how it is here it just now started getting hot and Mm -hmm. it's actually today it was 
like it was a a burner today here in Dayton, Ohio, man. It was like in around 90, 90 plus. And, but that's the first 90 degree day we've had of the year so far, if I remember correctly. And, or I think I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think we might've had one last weekend or something like that. Yeah. There was one this past weekend actually wasn't there. Like, wasn't it Saturday? It was real hot here. Yeah. it It was something, man. But, um, so, it you know there we woke up and it was only it was like 49 degrees on sunday really yeah it was pretty chilly it was it was decently warm the day before but it really wasn't like it what we did not have the weather you guys had here everybody at home was complaining about how hot it was and it was not (laughs) like that up there see that just that just like kind of proves my suspicions that smallmouth love that when the weather just turns like that well that's the thing, though, is I don't know that they necessarily do because the weather was stable, I think, for like most of that week, in a sense. And the wind direction did a complete 180 degrees from Sunday or Saturday night into Sunday. Like we were we were drifting the same direction on on Friday and Saturday and then completely the opposite direction on Sunday. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sucks. So I don't know if that turned them off. We went from having like south, southwest wind. I think it was even west when we first got there. And then it was completely north and northeast. Dang. <clears throat> I I think when I first jumped on the podcast, we talked to somebody from Mayo. I, it might have been Zach Sulier. He, uh, I was asking him about Saginaw Bay or something. I'm like, how hot does your guys' temperatures get in the summertime up there? Uh, I believe he said anywhere from like 78 to maybe 82 if it's yeah. real hot. So it doesn't get super hot up there. No. Yeah. That'd, not, be, that'd be awesome. A, yeah. It was uh, definitely – it was comfortable. Um, I was even wearing a hoodie on Sunday. So mm-hmm. um, by the time we got done, though, like with the sun being out, like it wasn't super warm by any means, but I was starting to get mm-hmm. warm. So, yeah, the uh, Western Michigan or not Michigan, Western Minnesota is uh, pretty similar. I went fishing out there for vacation one year, and uh, end end of July well, was like middle mid July, uh, got up to eighties in the in the evening time, but in the mornings it was like sixty degrees, and the water temperature was like seventy six, seventy eight yeah. by the end of the day. Like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't think our our uh, water. Mainly, I saw between 64 and 68. So, um, you know, it was definitely spawning spawning temperatures for those bass. I think we just caught the tail end of it. I mean, even the guys that were, the other guys that were fishing that tournament, like in the real popular areas, from what I understood, like when Todd Todd went live with Mayo, was mm-hmm. ta- he was like, yeah, everybody was out there bed fishing, just catching giant smallmouth. Like, you know, you'd have an 18, and the guy next to him had a 20, and the guy to the right of him has the 19, like, just all over the place. Like, That's crazy, man. Ah, that's crazy. I'd like to go up there and try that. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. 
Altacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And it's crazy because it shows you, I think, what's funny is that when you probably were in a bass boat, like that one guy was, and he's going directly over the beds, and I'm literally catching fish within 10 yards of him that are huge. Like, I'm like, maybe the, you know, the whole theory of, of how stealthy kayaks are versus, you know, a bass boat is, you know, you think about the shadow that thing's casting as it's coming through with the trolley motor on and, you know, yeah. and we're being stealthy and we're actually not even fishing on. I, there's a couple of times I had to roll like on top of the beds a little bit just because the way I would get I'd start to drift or I wanted to hit like the opposite side of it, you know. But for the most part, like I would cast at like a 45 degree angle or like parallel with the beds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would always try to make contact with that vegetation. And that was that just seemed to be the case. If I you would not get hit in dead areas or like you know nothing if it was an area that didn't have any vegetation you weren't getting bit because there was a like a gap between the vegetation and where the bank line was and if you threw into that gap you would usually catch either like a large mouth of rock bass or you wouldn't get get any strikes that's what makes a good angler man figuring out patterns like that yeah it's it was but it, it what helped was having that you know it's it is about like pre-fishing that really does help. I mean, I know pre-fishing yeah. can only help so much because like, obviously what happened Saturday, Saturday into Sunday, the conditions kind of changed. It got cooler and the wind changed and that may have turned off the bite. The fish may have moved on. I, I have no idea. The water was a little harder. You couldn't see as well um, because of the boat traffic on Saturday and Sunday churned up the water. I mean, it's still had decent clarity, but it wasn't nearly as, clear as it was on friday in you know the beginning of saturday yeah cool man but yeah we'll get out there dude go smally hunt for piggies (laughs) i want to hit the river right now so bad it's like (laughs) i thought about it all day i was like man my my summer spots calling my name we're talking about going up to erie next i'll go with you guys yeah, I was actually I talking to Mike uh, last night, actually, and he was like, that lake up north that cannot be mentioned. And he was like, we need to go hit that. I'm like, all right, uh, let's go. Yeah. yeah. Me, you, it's Josh, a, let's go. It's a, it's a, it's a decent drive. Or not, not like real long. I mean, it's, you know, it takes some time. It's not what you're used to, like, you know, 15, 20-minute, 30-minute drive. But Yeah. I need to learn how to fish deep. That's that's the place where I would learn how to do it for sure. Oh, you won't be fishing deep there. No, no, not that deep. Not what you're thinking. 
I know you're thinking like really deep, like 20, 30 feet. Yeah. No. Huh. Interesting. But we're going to go to Erie too, so you're going to go do that. Sounds good. And you'll have a trolley motor and you can drag my ass around. No, Torquedo. You know what I meant. Oh, we're going to have to do an episode after I use that, use that a few times. Yeah, we'll see how you like it. Yeah. I know I mean, you had are, Jeff on. We've already... We've already, yeah, we had Jeff on, but you can talk about your experience with it too. So, I got my uh, yak gadget shallow water anchor, like oh, yeah. while I while I was gone. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna like that too. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have caught that fish on the live stream this past weekend without that. Yeah, and I I just I threw it right down in the middle of the river and was casting just like upstream. <laughs> Boom. It's like, yes, dude, I love that product. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm excited. It'll it'll work real well too with the, those gear tracks on the back of the Kilroy. So Yeah. All righty. Well, I think we'll wrap it up. You got anything else you want to talk about? Nope. We're good. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening to the final cast again. Uh, big shout out to everybody, uh, you know, for Mayo putting on that tournament and all the anglers and everybody killed it. It was an exciting time. Like I said, at the beginning of the pod, it's probably the funnest fishing tournament I've been in so far. And, you know, shout out to Mike and Brandon for going up there with me and to Loveland for the, uh, for letting me use that big rig. So with that, we'll go ahead and say bye. See you next week. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to Jigmasters Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.